<laughs> I was late. Sorry. Seemed kind of fucking weak. Uh, welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father, none of us are a priest. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. Hi, what the fuck is happening right now? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? We're on a game show. (laughs) Yeah, come on down. Come on down. (laughs) Trey, stick your fingers. Jose is also with us. What's up, folks? I'm pretty excited for this episode because we're getting into unknown territory. (sighs) It is unknown territory, but known territory all at the same time if you're new to the show it is a fairly new show um just started recording it this year but we've all been playing fantasy football for a very very long time um so we like to think we know what we're talking about many ships uh have been won (laughs) many ships have been sunk too many ships (laughs) have been sunk but hey it's a it's a numbers game right um so the more leagues you're in the more you'll win. And that's a motto I live by. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, uh, so today on the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. We're going to be covering the shitty class of quarterbacks for 2022. <laughs> um, so if you're not already excited about these quarterbacks coming in, we're going to get you even less more excited. That is the worst fucking thing. <laughs> what is happening? Basically, we're going to break down how shitty this class is, right? Yeah. Um, but we're going to pick our favorites. For the most part, yeah. Well, we got Fabies. So we're kind of going to be hovering around the top five, top six. And to be frank, this isn't um, our kind of um, specialty, I guess. Um, we're going to have some more in-depth fantasy impact of each one of these guys once they're actually drafted and we know where they're going and we know which offense they're in and what team they're on and what their actual opportunity is this is kind of just looking at their college tape and producing our own opinions based off of that tape in research so um but again we have to preface this with um the fact that uh you know this isn't the greatest quarterback class we've seen um not not too good actually so i i guess you, I, all, what i'm saying is don't get overhyped on some of these guys you know there's always a lot of hype at this position coming into the season especially you know leading up to draft time so i just feel like sometimes there's a little bit too much hype um based uh, off of their true ability i'm totally with that and uh, I feel like this episode is really going to help just just in case because at least one of these guys is going to start this year for whatever reason, whether it's injury or or for other reason. And say you're in a deeper league and you're looking for quarterbacks and that rookie's available, you already got a, a legs up head start on what that quarterback is like because you're already looking into what their college tape is like. Like a, a good example for me would be like Davis Mills last year. I had no clue about his skill set, anything he's done in college, and he came on the Texans and had some good games. Games, if you started him, he would have filled in nicely for you on a bye week. So it's nice to be ahead of the curve on these rookie slash, you know, backup quarterbacks just in case something does happen. You, you kind of see where I'm coming from with that. It, it's 100%. It might be going too crazy, but that's what we do. That's all we care about is fantasy football. It's three dudes that care too much about fantasy football. Yeah. Or just the right amount. <laughs> or just <laughs> the perfect amount. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's the whole show today. So if you're not interested in rookie quarterbacks, go ahead, turn it off, man. Move on. But that's what we're doing. So Nah, dude, don't do it. Stick but with you're us. gonna miss some pretty sweet jokes, impromptu stuff. So. I'm the pun king, dude. Just stick in. <laughs> As Jim's out here doing the fucking like finger pistols. Yeah. Like. James is trying to make somebody Kenny picket this episode. Yeah. Oh. Oh, damn. We're not protesting. The puns are already here. Stick with us. Yeah. <laughs> the punk master over there. All right. So how we're gonna do this is we're gonna kind of go through our consensus top five. And give each of our kind of outlooks, opinions, and rankings for each of these top five guys, which if you're, you know, into research and rookies, you probably have heard these names before um, and probably have your own opinions as well. But um, let's start with consensus number one. Yeah, so our consensus rankings, we're going to start with number one will be Kenny Pickett. He averaged a 1.7 ranking between the three of us. Kenny Pickett out of Pitt, um, six foot three, 217 pounds. Last year he went 334 for 497, 4,319 yards, 42 touchdowns, and only seven picks, which is a really nice, I think, TD to interception ratio in the college game. Um, <coughs> six to one, best ratio I think on this list. Um, so that's always great to see. Um, do one of you want to kick it off or do you kind of want me to take the, I'll go ahead. Who, wants to, who wants to pick it off? <laughs> I'll go ahead and okay, start. Let's slow down. Um, only, <laughs> I'll start only because I have him lower than both of you guys do. And there's not anything against Kenny Pickett. It's just my own like personal thought here. He, I will preface this by saying he is by far the most NFL ready of the quarterbacks we're going to talk about today. Like, if anybody's going to start day one out of this list, it's going to be Kenny Pickett. But I see him as a guy who has a kind of a high floor, but a low ceiling. So I haven't ranked third um, out, of, out of the guys we're going to list to. I don't want to, like, you know, let you guys know what my other guys are yet. yet. But. Ooh. Suspenseful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, stay tuned. I, I mean, Pickett, I mean, but Pickett's, I mean, he's, he's going to be a solid quarterback. He was a four-year starter. He was a Heisman finalist this year. Finished third. Um, you know, not necessarily his own fault. Uh, you know, he's just not. I mean, there's just these guys are just a lot better than. And obviously, next year's class is like head and shoulders above this year's class. So there's that to be said with it too. Um, but I mean, in terms of what Pickett, Pickett does, he's you know, he makes. He's good at getting, getting through his reads. He's uh, has a good arm. It's not the best arm in this class, um, but he can make all all the NFL throws he'll need. Um, the biggest thing I do like about him is that he's got like some this caginess to him but behind him, right? Like we all remember that fake slide he did in the ACC championship, and however you feel about that in terms of like whether it was you know fair or foul, doesn't matter. The fact that he did that mid game, and it's not something you just you do, you don't pre-plan that, right? Like nope. that's just instincts. Like he was like, I'm gonna slide, then realized like, oh wait, shit, I can keep going, and just like did it, and it pissed a lot of people off like you can see the defense almost like quit playing after that but either way like there's just something about that which is it's fun um but the reason i don't see him as a higher a higher on my list is because i think he is a he's a good floor but a low ceiling like for me i see him as like a kirk cousins type he's he's a better runner i'll give you that like like you know i'm just talking about like his overall abilities i think he's gonna be 
a good solid quarterback, but he's not going to be the necessarily be the reason you're going to win games or win the playoffs. That's a good way of quietly saying that he'll be a top 12 quarterback for the majority of his career fantasy wise. Yeah. Her cousins has been. Yeah, no no, and and that's great, but like right now we're like we've talked about this in terms like we preface this episode like with in the like it's not a fancy way we're looking at, right? We're just talking about prospects. We'll get to fantasy relevance after the draft. Correct. So right now I just like I'm talking about like winning football games and like I just don't see him doing that in the NFL at a high rate. He'll be, you know, kind of a 500 guy. Honestly, looking at this list, are you talking about like winning football games or even just like starting a football game? That's kind of like how I'm looking at it because some of these guys might not even ever, ever be starters. That could be. Then that could be. I mean, that's that's what this the nature of this draft is or of this class is. Though, I mean, we talked about it before. I mentioned it that or before we started recording. Whoever your number one quarterback is in this year's class would have been behind all five guys that were drafted in the first round last year. Right. That's how like lower, how much lower this class is. That's insane that like last year, these guys would have been at best the sixth quarterback taken. And maybe even the seventh, because the sixth guy taken was Davis Mills, who actually had a decent year. Yeah. So he could he could have been the seventh best quarterback, you know? Yeah, I think so. Um for me, Kenny Pickett's number one on this top five list. For me, um, and I know this is hot takey, but his play style was kind of Joe Burrow-esque. Like, he's, I'm not saying he's going to be Joe Burrow by any means necessary. But um, the way he's able to buy time with his legs um, and make some plays in the open field, he's definitely not a guy you're drawing up running plays for. Which is a negative in na- in fantasy. Obviously, the you know being able to rush in a scripted format is fantasy gold. But I, he still he kind of reminded me like you know he kind of looked like on film like a Patrick Mahomes or a you know young Rogers when trying to avoid the pressure in the pocket and make a throw on the run. Um, he showed pretty good elusiveness in that sense. I think, you know, he's definitely the most pro-ready. He'll be 24 coming into next season. Um, And from what I saw on film, he's definitely, you know, the guy on this list that if a team is looking to draft a quarterback and have him play right away, this is the guy. Maybe Carson Strong is in that conversation as well just from his throwing ability, but Kenny Pickett can make all the throws on the field um he's really accurate within 25 yards um <clears throat> struggles sometimes on the deep ball but still can be accurate at that uh on the on the deep throws really the only drawback that i've seen from kenny pickett is his hand size it's reported oh. to be eight and a half inches but which is small the smallest recorded for any starting quarterback, but yeah, but that's not a worry. There's I mean, a reason for it. He didn't have a ton of turnovers. He didn't, you know, show a bunch of signs of fumbling the ball really easily. There were some, but I think he had ten strip sacks for his career, which is a slightly concerning. Um, but okay, the reason his hand size came in at eight and a half, so he has a double jointed thumb, and so when he stretches his hand out completely, it pops out of place, right? 
Yeah. And when that ca- they can't measure your hand that way, so they have to go as far as you possibly can to, before it breaks or before it breaks before it pops out of place when they measure it. But like when he's actually playing football, like that's out of its soccer all the time, and like it's bigger when he actually plays. So that's why it's not a, a big concern. And Pitt also didn't have a great offensive line, so you, a lot of those you yeah, know, strip they, sacks you can blame on that. That's the thing. But the fact that they didn't have a good offensive line um, showcased his ability to to make plays getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run. He really could make all the throws necessary. He made a lot of NFL throws. Um, to me, he seemed like the most ready to go right now. And with this class, I feel like that's one of the more valuable traits, you know, because his IQ is up there. Um, he's an older guy. He's seen a lot of college ball. And I feel like that's, you know, to me when I'm like looking at rookie quarterbacks, their ability to go through their reads and and actually go through their reads and, you know, because some of these guys don't, their ability to go through the reads, the high football IQ and, and the ability to make throws all over the field, um, those are two of the things that, I, that really stand out to me. And I think Kenny Pickett does both of those things well already yeah i think you guys covered it um most of what i think about him pretty well like obviously i i also believe he's the most quarter or nfl ready quarterback in this class and he's the most polished with all the playing time etc i had kenny pickett as one kenny pickett is my one so me and jim we got him at one irby you had him at three i don't know what you're thinking you know what i'm saying we can I just I explained know. to you what I was thinking, homie. I know. I know, <laughs> I know. So, but, but what was really impressive to me is because once he goes to the NFL, obviously he's going to be dealing with a lot higher competition, especially on the defensive line, and people are going to be in his face a lot faster. And from watching his highlights, the one thing that really stood out to me was every time he's dealing with pressure, he um, he plays into it very well. He uses the pocket to his advantage, and he can tell where the pressure is coming from. And he uses that to his advantage to either step up into the pocket or to scramble. And he, he does it perfectly from what I could tell. And he has great strong arm ability. He can throw it on the run very well. Um, pretty good elusiveness like from what I was seeing there. He has a four seven three forty time, which is faster than the fastest defensive lineman in this draft. So that's something to keep in mind. Some people will see like these 40 times and get kind of bummed out. Oh, four seven, da, da, da. Like, four seven's great. You know, guys like Derek Carr. Um, I guess it's probably not the best example. That's the first one that comes to mind. Who is pretty fast? He ran a four seven forty. These guys are pretty fast when they want to be, and they're still faster than the fastest defensive lineman if you're considering forty times. So I really like Kenny Pickett. He he's definitely number one for me um, by a, a decent stretch. Um. <clears throat> okay, let's move on to number two. I think we on our consensus had Malik Willis. Yep, our consensus number two was Malik Willis with an average ranking of two point seven. Uh, so Malik Willis out of Liberty, six foot one, two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, last year, went two hundred seven for three thirty nine through the air, two thousand eight hundred fifty seven yards, twenty seven TDs, twelve interceptions. He also put up eight hundred seventy eight rushing yards and thirteen touchdowns on the ground. So. I'll start off here. I had Malik Willis at two, and the reason for that is simply, I think, mostly because of his, he's got a big arm uh, when he wants to, uh, but 
he's I think the only quarterback on this list that has any real shot of being a rushing threat in the offense. Like when he runs the ball, he almost I mean, he almost looks like a running back. Like his explosiveness, um he's got some size, some thickness. Um I think he's the only quarterback on this list that can actually run the ball legitimately in the NFL and survive. Um which is a great fantasy asset to have, and I would be shocked if whatever team drafted him didn't take advantage of his ability to run the football. Um, so here's kind of what I wrote, I guess. Watching the film, he displays great velocity on the ball, but decision-making and ability to work through multiple reads um, and make throws over the middle of the field um, and his anticipation over the middle of the field was questionable. Um to me, he only really looked like really confident while throwing to to really open receivers. Like he didn't look really confident. <laughs> Wasn't or, everyone confident there to really open receivers? Or well, yeah, exactly. My point though is he didn't take shots. Like he he didn't anticipate very well in the passing game, which I think is a huge huge thing for guys going to the next level. You you have to be able to anticipate throws and be willing to you know, sometimes squeeze it into to some tight windows. Um, and for me, he, he just didn't look confident enough in that, in that arena, um, to really make me feel like he could, he could, um, be a threat enough in the passing game in the NFL to scare defenses. He rarely targeted wide receivers over the middle of the field. And majority of his throws were on the outside around the numbers, which um, I had the stats for. I, I thought I put them on here, but I guess not. Um, but I felt like that was a huge downgrade for me, you know. And, and it could have been the offense with Lane Kiffin trying to, you know, limit his um, incapabilities and really highlight his strengths, which I think they did well, but that also limited our ability to, to be able to see what he could actually do. Um, I think there's a lot of work that still needs to be done with Malik Willis. I know the hype is going up. I know he had a good pro day, made some great throws, but I don't put too much stock into pro day throws. Well, actually, I want to hear from Stink here first. So, <laughs> um, I mean, he asked me a question, what he thought I was thinking, putting Ken and Pickett at a third. This dude... <laughs> he's got Malik Willis at five. And he's my number one. But he's James's two. Trey's got him at five. I I have to know why. I gotta be. I gotta be honest. It was iffy for me. I almost put Carson Strong ahead of him. The only reason I didn't is because of Malik Willis's ability to to run the ball. And I guess I was thinking in a fantasy, you know, format for that decision. But and I'll be honest. I let fantasy influence my ranking also. Because if he does make a fantasy or a fantasy impact, it's not going to be for a few years. And it, you already touched on it. He seems very rough at this point. The level of competition that he was playing is very low. If you look at the schedule that they played in twenty twenty one, it's just a bunch of teams that like you would never, you would never watch these games if Malik Willis wasn't on the team. You know, like Liberty versus UAB, Liberty versus Middle Tennessee, Liberty versus Louisiana Monroe. Lost by three, by the way, against Louisiana Monroe. 
the one time they played really high competition, they're playing the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Got absolutely smacked, 42-14. to 14. You can tell, just from looking at the stats, that they game-planned on Malik Willis and completely shut him down. He averaged two yards a carry. He was like 14 for 34, two interceptions. Out of 34 attempts, only had like 170 yards. That's not like... I'm not judging him completely off of that, but his lack of competition level really makes me worried. And I know we can reach back on guys like like Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State, right, which plays lower-level competition, and he's a starter in today's NFL. But just from, like, the level of competition that he played and from looking at his film, I wasn't very impressed. Yeah, he has a great running ability, and he does have a strong arm, but he's not making great passes that impress me. Kind of what you were saying. It seems like he's, you know, obviously confident to throw to open receivers, but when it comes to like a little tighter window, it seems like he's not really trying for it. And you brought up Carson Strong earlier. That's why Carson Strong is way above Malik Willis to me because of the ability, the ability to pass. I just think Malik Willis is way too raw at this point. Everything I hear from you guys is the exact same thing they said about someone else came out of the draft not that long ago. He played against lesser competition, very raw, big arm, could run. Don't it's you all about dare bring it's, them. And it's, all, <laughs> and it's all no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm talking about a good, a good, a good player here. Um, and then came into the league. As long as you find the right spot, you can develop. And that would be Josh Allen. Josh Allen went to Wyoming. Name one team that they played against that was any damn good. None. Yeah. Okay, but how, the- how good of a t- how how good were they? They were bad. Yeah, like they he went to one bowl game. It was his senior year. Like they have a great logo. <laughs> That's all I know about Wyoming's college team. They got that dude in the Buck and Bronco or whatever. Yeah, and it's exactly. nice. That's a, that's a great logo. That's all I and know. And I know about that's it. I know that's crazy projection projections from me, but it's all about where you could end up, right? Like Josh Allen goes to any other situation, he might not be a superstar quarterback. And so yeah. I think Malik Willis has the potential to be that guy. He shows the same type of ability and the strengths. When you have a guy who has a big arm and can can like make plays outside the pocket and with his and with his legs, but when he plays with inf- like not he's playing inferior competition, sure too, right? Like we, we I know he's doing that, but he's also playing with inferior teammates. He can't control who's around him, and you can only do so much. You know, not everyone can be Peyton Manning, who you know is a Super Bowl contender. Then the second, then the year he's gone, the Colts go one and fifteen. Like, not everybody can be that. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, Malik Willis has the highest ceiling in this draft class. He might be a little raw right now, might not be immediately ready to, ready to play, but don't put that against him right now. He has the ability to become a star. I think actually, out of all five or six quarterbacks we were going to bring up today. He is the only one that has star potential. The other guys are gonna be good quarterbacks. And then, you know, there's probably a couple of them that are gonna be, you know, long term starters, viable starters. But he's the only one that has the star potential, and that's why I have him as my as my number one. Yeah, I could Man. get with that. I mean, Josh Allen is also six five, two forty. Yeah, okay, Josh Allen's a little bit bigger. A bit more of a <laughs> he's a little a bit unicorn bigger. in terms of like his yeah, but, okay. physical capabilities. But I mean, Malik Wills is faster. Sure, sure. You know, and they actually, and they run similarly in terms of, like, they seek out contact. They're not trying to, like, you know, duck and dive guys like Lamar Jackson is, you know, in, in terms of that kind of ability. Like, they're right. looking to, like, 
put their shoulder into somebody. I mean, yeah, Malik literally reminded me of like a running back when he had those design runs. I mean, he's breaking tackles. He's taking quarterback, you know, reads up the middle, like, and he's not worried about it at all, you know. Um, that was the most impressive thing to me. I think his ability, like, it reminded me a lot of kind of like Jalen Hurts. Um, but even he's bigger than Jalen is. Jalen, like, not a, Jalen isn't as good of a runner as pure runner as Malik Willis. Um, but as far as the passing capabilities go, it, that's where I saw a lot of similarities. But before and we move on, Jalen Hurts has been a fantastic fantasy asset. But how long will he be a starting quarterback? I guess those are good points. Honestly, if he doesn't start and with that rushing ability, it's definitely interesting fantasy wise. But to kind of circle back to what you were saying about level of competition, like, yeah, he's dealing with, you know, he's competing against lower level competition, but his teammates are also lower level, you know, basically the same level of talent on both sides of the ball, right? So when you say that, it kind of reminds me of, like, say you're playing, like, your all-time quarterback for your little cousins hanging out at the family gathering. Like, (laughs) you should still stand out. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, his running ability stands out, but it's like, why is his arm not standing out to me on the film when I'm watching this? When, let's just say he's playing, um, let's just say it's even competition between his teammates and the the opponents. He should be able, if he's the better one, to be able to elevate it and push his teammates past that. And it, it, I'm just not seeing that in the passing game. Well, I mean, he has the big arm, but like, if your receivers can't get an inch of separation, like, he can't make that any better. Like throwing someone open only happens so far. If but like if the defender's on the receiver hip the entire route, like there's nowhere to throw that ball. Yeah, and that's true. But what you talking about, Willis? I saw a lot of plays (laughs) where it was just like the the guy's there. You just have to anticipate it, and he just held onto the ball. Like he just didn't seem confident, especially when they're targeting the middle of the field. which I don't know if that's to do with his height, maybe not being able to see the field as well on, uh, through the middle of the field, but those are things that have to be worked out because you cannot survive the NFL just... No, you can't. And again, like like I said, like this is about where he goes. Right. He has the highest ceiling. I think he has true star potential, but it depends on where he goes and who his coaching staff is. Josh Allen went to a great situation in Buffalo with like professionals who know how to coach guys up and coach them hard. Whereas, like, you know, you brought up Carson Wentz, which is is not a bad, you know, comparison in terms of their their abilities in terms of uh, and who they played against. But Carson Wentz is a pussy. <laughs> and Carson Wentz. Whoa! Whoa. Whoa. Let, me just, let me just mark that for a soundbite. Yeah. Oh, but like, <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things Tell him if like, he wants to smoke or to find me. That's the he, title of this show. He, <laughs> he just like he couldn't take hard coaching. Like we've seen that from him. Like when like even his team has come out and said like yeah when they try to get on him he would just cower. Right. You know? And, like, so if he if Malik Willis can take hard coaching and, like, wants to be better, then he'll ha- he'll become a star in the league. Let me just settle this right now. Would you rather have Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis be drafted by the Seahawks and start week one? Neither. <laughs> you got to choose. I have to choose. If they're going to be a starter week one, then, yeah. Like, I already said Kenny Pickett was most NFL-ready of this, of this class. It's different. I'm talking about, like, trying to win, like, this year. Um... I guess who would you be more excited about for the 
future. Yeah, somewhat midterm. For the future, future, Malik Willis. Again, he has the higher ceiling. Like, I would, like, Malik Willis is my number one guy for a reason. He has the highest ceiling. And if it came down, honestly, if they drafted Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, I'd almost want them to start Drew Locke week one. And so, do you feel like Malik Willis has the highest ceiling because he has the rushing ability and you believe he can improve in the passing game? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he shows certain abilities in terms of arm strength plus rushing ability that the other guys don't possess. Yeah. Like he he's a but, better he's a he's the best runner out of all the guys we're going to talk about. He has a stronger arm than Kenny Pickett. He has, probably has a stronger arm than everyone here besides Carson Strong. But Carson Strong can't move. Mm-hmm. Carson Strong runs like 40-year-old Peyton Manning. Yeah. And I, we'll get to that later. But. Well, and I think like what I'm saying is um I think it's almost harder to improve like your ability to anticipate, read defenses, and make throws on the fly, than maybe some of these other physical traits. Like, because that's like I would literally say, thing. go back and watch the Josh Allen tape from when he was coming out of college. True, and I know. you would say go the same back to stuff. Josh Allen, yeah, I know. So six five, two forty, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like, but <laughs> but when arms. Josh Allen came came out, like it was all about physical tools for him. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about with Malik Willis. It's physical tools. Yeah, just I, I don't think he's as accurate as Josh Allen was. And I'm pretty sure Josh Allen completed 51% of passes his rookie year, so come on. Well, he's playing in Wyoming, right? Okay, and like Liberty, is that any different? <laughs> True, but... Ain't no Liberty in Wyoming. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just saying stupid shit. He's still a two on my list, but yeah, I just, I don't know, man, I wasn't... I wasn't thrilled about his film. I mean, I can see where you're coming from because he fits the mold for what NFL teams are looking for these days. Yeah. Mobile, strong arm. Totally. Um, I feel like that's the two things they're looking for, and they're going to give you a good look. Josh Allen completed 56% of his throws in college. Yeah. It's not good. It's definitely not. But what about the level of his teammates versus the level of the competition? They they yeah. went they basically went to like similar conferences in terms of like their ability. They're both Division One conferences. Yeah, but we're talking like Division One like dumpster fires, right? That doesn't that, that doesn't like make your point over mine though. <laughs> 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 All right, let's move. Yeah, on. I'm, I'm honestly just talking shit. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, Malik Willis completed sixty four percent of his passes in college. Yeah, that's eight percent. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, he's playing UAB dash Lafayette dash Southern Conference. Dude, Josh Allen played Idaho. <laughs> uh, what? What? Spud's your problem, dude. <laughs> dude, <laughs> Idaho wins like one game a year. They actually dropped to the FCS level because they weren't good enough to play in the FBS. I have nothing to counter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a stretch comparing Malik Willis to. I Josh agree. Lawrence. I th- that that's like my high end cup. I think he could be that type of player. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not comparing. I'm not like saying he's gonna be Josh Allen. That's stupid. He's definitely still in the episode. He deserves to be fifth. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Moving on to uh, Carson Strong out of Nevada. 
Six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, uh went three sixty seven for five twenty four. It's what? actually a tie at third. Oh, tie at third. But we're we're we are getting in Carson yeah, Carson Strong average of three point three between the three of us is our rankings. But he's tied with another person, so it's a tie at third. Well, let's start with Carson Strong. Uh again went three sixty seven for five twenty four. 4,186 yards, 36 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. To me, um, Carson Strong was the most prolific passer out of this class. Definitely. And I think you guys would agree. Um, I mean, he really makes, you know, 40-yard bombs look easy with just a flick of the wrist. Um, And he's one of the few guys this year that could, efficiently throw the red zone fade saw that a lot out of him um i watched him throw a ball 60 yards literally in the air um against kansas state it was through he threw his guy through double coverage dropped it in on a dime at like the five yard line um later in that game he threw a third and 20 that was an absolute it was on an absolute line squeezed it in between a couple defenders it was a must-have down for them and then a little bit later in that same quarter from the 20 threw a touchdown on a pass that was uh, the ball was on fire like it it just bounces out of his hand i feel like i remember all these highlights yeah and so like for me like it was the most the most impressive thing i saw on film watching all these guys was Carson Strong's <laughs> strong arm. Like he I mean he really can just absolutely sling it. If I remember right those highlights you're talking about is them playing from behind also. Um like, like they're I, trying to regain the lead and yeah, like those series so. of throws brought them back from like down 14 to 3 to taking the lead. Yeah, I, I believe you're correct on that. Um for me it was kind of like Justin Herbertish as far as like a high end comp, um, he you know strong, fluent throwing motion, uh, gets the ball out quickly, and occasionally can scramble, but certainly that's his biggest downside. Right? We know like he has the biggest arm in this draft. Um, he can absolutely <laughs> rifle the ball. He has really really good anticipation can read defenses which is all really good because he has to right because he doesn't have the ability to run or be a threat on the run at all he's got his surgically repaired right knee um which has been an absolute issue for him since high school um recently he had an arthroscopic procedure to to clear the uh, scar tissue which was uh in august and had his knee drained multiple times after that. So, for me, that's really the only downside I've seen is his knee and his health. Um, but his ability to throw the ball and, and be a passer is, I think, the most pro-ready arm uh, in this draft. I had him at number three on my list, personally. Shit, I got him at number two. I love me some Carson Strong. You touched on it perfectly, though. His knee injuries are very concerning. I'm just hoping on my end of looking at all of this and assessing it that 
all the advancements that we made in the medical field, hopefully it's not going to be a big deal. When you're, you're talking about them draining his knee multiple times after the surgery, that's pretty concerning. But I mean, there have been running backs who blew their knee out in college, and then they go pro, and they do just fine. So, I mean, he's a quarterback, obviously not the most mobile guy, but I'm assuming his knee will be fine if it's taken care of properly. I know it's messed up, and that is his biggest drawback, but, I mean, in my notes, the biggest thing that stands out to me is, I, I put, he's a pocket pimp. <laughs> he's a pocket pimp. He's, pimping in the pocket. Yeah, he's pimping in the pocket. He's the best pocket passer in this draft. Um, honestly, watching him throw out of the pocket, it's it reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. The way he'll do it, and he'll throw it off balance sometimes, and you can't even tell. Like, if you're not even watching the play, y- you would never guess that he's throwing off balance the way he's throwing the ball. The dude's got mad power, mad accuracy. It's really impressive to me how he can make such passes while he's throwing off of uh, not not a based like um, a based footing most of those times. He's going off of like one foot and doing like a little Aaron Rodgers flick. Because he can't put any weight on the other foot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why, right? Maybe that's why. But it, it's really impressive, man. Like it, it seems effortless the way that he throws the ball. He can just sling it, and it's, it doesn't seem like he's throwing his whole body into it, and the ball just flies. Yep. So I, I love everything about him. Obviously, the knee injuries are a concern, but with the way the medical field is these days, I'm just hoping that they'll take care of him wherever he goes, get his knee taken care of, and he can produce if they allow him to not get absolutely murdered like Joe Burrow. Yeah, and honestly, that's why I have him at five, and everything you guys are saying is completely accurate. The only reason we even have him down at five is because of that knee issue. Honestly, I think if he was completely healthy and never had that issue, I think he's absolutely you know vying for that number one spot. I think he's right there in that conversation, honestly. Oh, for sure. But this yeah. knee injury, it's super concerning. It like. It happened back in college or in high school, right? And he's been dealing with it since. It's not the like he had the arthroscopic knee knee surgery this offseason and had drained since then. He's had it drain before while he was in college. This knee issue has always been an issue for him, and that's the, what's the most concerning is that you know four years later it's still a problem, and you know in the last four years there hasn't been like major advances in and you know knee surgeries. Shit, ACL surgeries have been you know, almost 100% foolproof for the last 12 years now. You know, we've gone to Achilles being like the, the biggest thing towards, uh you know, sports in terms of sports injuries. But ACL injuries, like, man, Adrian Peterson, I, mean, I know he's a freak of nature, but like he came back, he towards ACL, came back the next year, won, won MVP. Right. You know, rushed for 2,000 yards. Like, and I know he's a freak of nature, but the fact that like as a 18-year-old, he wasn't able to bounce back greatly in terms of like getting mobility and everything like that that's the concerning part that means that at this point this kid probably doesn't have any cartilage left he's probably you know bone on bone rubbing right and now you're about to go to the nfl and have more of a pounding and let's be honest if he gets drafted anywhere in the first two or three rounds there's a chance they could rely on him to start and that could be for a bad team. And if that bad team it lets him get eaten alive because they have a shitty offensive line, that's just crazy worrisome. And you talk about like Joe, Bur- like you know, you know, don't like it, you know, I have a Joe Burrow, and they 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 tried to fix their offensive line. They've done better this year than they did last year, but like he still got eaten alive. Like yep. what if Carson Strong has been going to, you know, a team like the Lions to be a developmental quarterback behind 
Jared Goff. Like, that's worrisome. Oh, because they'll bite your kneecap off. His, his, <laughs> he's his, not going to be able to play because there's no damn coach. That's all he's got left is his fucking kneecap, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but when you're talking about the cartilage thing, isn't there a way they can just, like, pull some shit from, like... No. <laughs> no. Not, like, from your body, but they can, like, find something and, like, put it in your Ooh. knee. I'm pretty sure they can do that, right? Put they some put dead like, man cartilage in there? Yeah, like, some gum or whatever, chew it up, and just, <laughs> just, like, put that bitch in there. Um, <laughs> Not really the cartilage. Um, some old leak. Uh, am I imagining this? I, I heard you can, chew. like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm more like, I heard you can like put some shit back in your knee, but maybe <laughs> I'm just like I don't know. I mean, they do that to like repair ligaments, like your ACL. Like they'll take you know tendons and or and different muscle fibers from other parts of your body to do it. Um, but one, you generally can't take organs from another body unless you're you know a perfect match. So they like to do it from yourself. Um, I don't think you can just add in cartilage. I don't think that's the way it works. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not a fucking doctor, but. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure, like, you can't just add cartilage back into your knee. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about that either. We'd have to vet that out. But um, vet it. To me, Carson Strong was by far the most impressive. I I have to uh, honestly a quarterback, like pro ready quarterback, hands down. Kenny Pickett also, you know, and he doesn't have the health concerns i think that's why i like kenny pickett or have him above carson right now but as far as being able to just throw the ball like at an nfl level elite level so hey just real quick i've edited it real quick gotta love google um so you can regrow regrow cartilage it's a two-step process it's called a matrix induced autologous chrondocyte in what we're reading a sci-fi novel yeah. right, right now what uh, the fuck is this <laughs> m-a-c-i for for uh <laughs> science baby for an acronym um but they have to do they do an arthroscopic cartilage biopsy so that means they take cartilage from your knee they put it in a lab they grow it under a a lab shit <laughs> a light yeah a, a lab light they, just grow- they, they put it in a pot plant and they grow that bitch real big <laughs> so it goes to the lab, they grow it, and then they bring it back when it's ready and reinsert it. So you still have to have cartilage left Ugh. in your knee. So um, who's to say he doesn't have cartilage grown in a lab right fucking no, now? I mean, dude, he's got a whole lab dedicated. 12 cartilages, the the best one wins, like Survivor. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, doing a fucking competition. Voted off. I mean, maybe. I don't know. The I mean, tribe he, has spoken. He, he's, a <laughs> <laughs> he's a kid from, you know, he went to Nevada. I don't know how much money he has right now. Maybe he has to wait till his rookie contract. No taxes, gambling money. Nevada. Nevada. Where's the NIL at when you need it? Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah. No Carson interior Strong. ligaments. Is that what NIL means? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Told you to stick with me. I'm oh, here oh, there all day. There it is. Now we're warming up. Uh, yeah, so Carson Strong. I'll be curious to see where he goes, but um, definitely – there's definitely a ceiling there that I don't think has been reached yet for old Carson Strong. Um, let's move on. Who's the next guy you want to talk about? So the next guy tied at third with Carson Strong would be Desmond Ritter, averaging a 3.3 ranking between the three of us. Oh, I'll go first. This is my guy. This is Tyler's guy. This is my guy. I got him ranked number two. And I know people will think I'm crazy, but like, there's something about this kid that I love. So he's a four-year starter at Cincinnati and had 44 career wins in Cincinnati. That's 11 a year. Name other, name, honestly, if my boss is listening, I'm sorry, 
Uh, one of my bosses went to Cincinnati and played ball. Uh, name one other quarterback in Cincinnati that was ever that was ever any good. One, I please, and I'll wait. Dude, I'll be honest. The only reason I even know Cincinnati existed when I was younger is because Nick Lachey, who was married to Jessica Simpson. <laughs> Yo, I'm being totally honest. He was a big Cincinnati fan. And I remember watching that like reality show with him and Jessica Simpson and being like, Cincinnati has a football team? I was like 12 <laughs> years old. So, like, yeah, it's definitely hard to recognize that team. So, yeah. Uh, Kevin, I'm sorry if you hear this. Uh, Cincinnati's never been very good at, f- at football. It is what it is. And Desmond Ritter took them to the college p- football playoff. Yeah, that's a, a huge it's a, it, Yeah, it's huge. And they were in it with Alabama for like a half. And then, yeah. you know. And then, and then it went sideways. But, <laughs> yeah. but still, shoot, there's a lot of teams that weren't even in for the first five minutes against Alabama. So you know they did, right. they did their thing. Um, but the biggest thing for me with that when it comes to Desmond Ritter, everything you hear about this kid is that he's constantly working on his craft. Like, that's all he does. Like he plays football, he lives football, he eats and breathes it. Like if he's not like on the practice field, he's watching film. He's always working on his craft. Which is huge. So like, and that's and you, honestly, you've seen that over the course of his four years there, he was better every year as a starter. His stats might not necessarily like show vast improvement, but if you look at the film from his rookie or his freshman and sophomore years towards his senior year, the way he reads the field now, the way he manipulates safeties now, is mind blowing. So he's getting better. That means he wants to be better. Plus, the dude's sneaky fast. He runs a four five seven forty. Yep, four five two is what I saw. Oh, see, even better, um, and which is the fastest of this class, except Malik Willis hasn't ran the forty, so we don't know what he runs. But he was faster than everybody else in this class, so that says a lot. Um, honestly, the way he he can run, and he, I think he could come in and be a really good starter almost right away. He kind of reminds me of like a young Russell Wilson that way. Like Russell Wilson came in and was exactly what the Hawks needed to, you know move keep the offense on track get it up and down the field and they went and won a super bowl and yeah of course it's because of defense but like that doesn't work if your you know second year quarterback isn't out there still you know taking care of the football and making right decisions and desmond ritter can do that that's a big statement because i don't know if anyone remembers but when russell wilson took over that starting job they just signed matt flynn to a fat contract they did and then they said bye matt because russell wilson's better than you yep in one off season so that's a that's a pretty big comparison and when coming as like a third rounder, he came in, took over a guy with like a fifty million dollar contract, which was big money back then. Yeah, damn, we're showing our age. Fifty million was big money in the NFL <laughs> at that time. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be pretty quick about it. Yeah, Desmond Ritter, he's my number three. I I think he can effortlessly throw the ball. I talked about this before the podcast. I might be really reaching here. His highlights really remind me of Patrick Mahomes, the way he can effortlessly throw the ball down the field while on the run, buying time while scrambling. Um, that's the biggest thing that stand out, stood out to me was his scrambling ability to just buy time and the big arm just, just to go deep. Because as we all know, um, Jim, you probably know better playing safety. You know, After the first couple of seconds, like if shit's not going down like it should and the quarterback's running wild, it's like borderline impossible to guard somebody. Yep. So it, it it breaks everything down, and if you have that ability to just buy a couple extra seconds, it's a huge advantage for the offense. And that's why Desmond Ritter is three for me, because of his scrambling ability and big arm. And when he does hit receivers, like when he is in the pocket, 
from what I saw, he hits people in stride very often, which is a huge deal to me. It's the biggest reason that um, Howell from North Carolina, he didn't make the list for me because I didn't see him doing that. Yeah, the, the last thing I really like about Ritter, too, uh, you kind of uh, spoke on it there. He tries to win from the pocket and uses his legs as a last resort, even though he could beat you with his legs more often than he, you know, if he wanted to. But he wants to win from the pocket, which is big. Yeah, you know, I think you guys all bring up some good points. I'm actually the lowest on on Ritter. I had him at five. Um, I'll go through his stats real quick just because I did for everyone else. 251 for 387, uh, 3,334 yards, 30 TDs through the air, 8 interceptions, 572 rushing yards, and 5 touchdowns on the ground for Desmond Ritter last year. To me, I, 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 I hear what you guys are saying. Um, he just, like, nothing really, like, stood out to me on the tape as far as like wow he's exceptionally good at this or that like he and it's just my opinion but he felt most like a game manager which isn't necessarily a bad thing because he was able to command the offense command his team be a real leader on that team and obviously lead them to the final four um i just i'm I'm not sure his physical capabilities at this time are NFL level. So, you know, I, I just want to throw this out there. I know like maybe what you're seeing isn't necessarily game manager. Maybe he's just really smart about taking what the defense gives him. Sure. And that could be it too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I, you know, I felt like he had pretty good arm strength. I don't, I don't think it was uh, exceptional. You know, maybe I watched his tape after watching Carson Strong, and that's what kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, gave me that that feeling. But for me, he just seemed like kind of, you know, he spent a long time in college, which it definitely helped him. Um, but I felt like the offense as well was a lot of, like, RPO action, a lot of, like, um, first reads and – I I don't know. I just didn't see a whole lot of him really kind of making something out of nothing. I feel like everything was pre-designed. But that's just my opinion. I still think he could definitely, like he has all the physical tools. He has the size, uh, maybe a little light, but still 6'3". You know, he has the tools. I just think there's some work yet to be done there. Um but at six three, is he the tallest quarterback? No, uh, Carson Strong six four. Mm. Kenny Pickett's also six three. But that, yeah, that's just that's just my opinion, and I think it all depend on again where he's drafted, it's, and that'll really, you know, hone us in on his fantasy outlook uh, going forward. Well, speaking of Desmond, we should probably just get rid of your opinion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. I got one for every one of them. Getting even better. <laughs> uh, let's move on here. We have, is it Matt Carroll next on the list? So to round the list. Corral, out, I believe as well. Corral? Yeah, Corral. you got you got Carroll on your top five. I think you mix, mix up the vowels. But yeah, Matt Corral, is it Coral? What is it? <laughs> it's, it's Corral. It's Corral. Golden, golden like Corral golden, is the yeah. only Corral I care about, dude. 
But anyways, yeah, Matt Coral or Corral, right? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> yeah. So Matt Matt Corral basically averaged um, just about a five. Oh no, actually, we're we're jumping the gun here. We're totally skipping who actually matters. No, I'm lying here. <laughs> I'm looking at my list wrong. Sorry, it's all written on this napkin to do this math here. Yeah, so it is Matt Coral. Corral, whatever. Matt Corral's the last one on the list. We're talking about him. All right, Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Um, six foot two, 212 pounds. Uh, he played in 13 games last year. Was 386 or 262 for 386. Um, threw for 3,334 yards. 20 touchdowns through the air, five interceptions. He also had 11 rushing touchdowns and 614 rushing yards. Um, I had him at number four, and when I was going back rewatching tape, I had to throw on the Alabama tape just because, and that probably wasn't a good tape to rewatch because they they got destroyed. <laughs> Does anyone do good against Alabama? No, though? that's like, true, but Clemson. I, I liked his one. <laughs> I liked his willingness. Georgia, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I liked his willingness to like hang in there. Um, he didn't seem like really flustered by by the pressure. Um, in the other games that I watched, he he kind of seemed to have this like smooth and calm. Um, uh, how do you want to say like? Um, ability demeanor demeanor uh when moving around in the pocket which i thought was a good trait to have um he also you know with the rushing ability had the ability to escape um and was accurate on short to intermediate throws um but and this might be due to just Ole Miss's you know capabilities but in big games there was a lot of inconsistencies um, some bad throws were made, some bad decisions that really could have helped his team in some of those bigger games. He seemed to miss high on a lot of throws that I was watching. Um, when he was really trying to put some zip on it, he seemed to miss high. And that's typically a sign of someone who doesn't have a super strong arm. Um, they're you know, naturally just so focused on getting it out there and putting zip on it that the ball sails a little high. Um, again, and, and the same thing with this offense is Cincinnati. They ran a lot of RPOs, predetermined plays. So it was, it was kind of hard to get a read on whether he could really and truly process NFL reads. Um, so that was kind of a, a downgrade for me. He also has a slim build and I know that they, you know, utilized him as a rusher a lot in this offense. And I don't, I don't think he has the build to be able to do that at the next level, which really hinders his overall value to me. Kind of reminded me a lot of like uh, Zach Wilson. Um, he underwhelmed you a decent amount, but then all of a sudden would show some abilities, uh, some flashes of playmaking that was pretty impressive. Um, mostly, But Zach Wilson has, has a much better arm. Zach Wilson does. Um, but I will say, uh, Matt, Carol. Corral. Corral. <laughs> I was confident. Corral around I was here. confident in that. Kind of a center pronunciation here. Matt Corral, like, 
he was able to make throws off of um you know um not not being completely set he was off able balance. To, he was able to make some off balance throws that were pretty impressive uh but overall yeah i just again this class isn't very good right so it's hard to say that any one of these guys will ever be anything in the nfl he showed some flashes I just don't think he's going to be able to to attribute in the rushing game like he did in college, which limits his upside, I think, quite a bit. No, I, I totally agree. That was the first thing that stood out, watching it, all his film. Not afraid to lower his shoulder, which made me like him. He's not afraid of contact. He's a very aggressive runner. But once you get past that, and you already touched on it, Jim, I don't think that translates to the NFL game, like being able to run like that. I mean, who who at quarterback has really been able to run and lower their shoulder into someone besides maybe Cam Newton in yeah. our lifetime? Josh Allen. Josh Allen in. can, yeah. Oh, yeah, Josh Allen. Well, they're 250 pounds. And yeah, they're six, huge. Six, they're six, huge. Five, right. Know. So we're talking about two guys in 20, 30-year span that we can really think of that are like really going at it like that at the quarterback position. And Dante the, Culpepper, if you want to take it way back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love go. me some Dante. Going through Dante's Inferno. But... Matt Corral, I thought he since he played the highest competition, it was is impressive with his numbers. Like he played in the SEC, right? Being at Ole Miss, sixty-seven yeah. percent completion percentage, which was an Ole Miss record, school record. Yeah, that's great. And I, um, when looking at his scouting reports, the biggest thing that stood out from his scouting reports, and I read quite a few of them was that a lot of them really seemed to believe that he was the most cerebral quarterback of this class. So apparently people love his mental ability in ways that he breaks it down, but I'm not seeing enough from the passing side to really rank him high. I I had Matt Corral at four for me, right above Malik Willis, and the only reason that happened is because of the level of competition. Malik Willis, to me, is arguably a lot more interesting, but... We saw Matt Corral play a lot higher level competition, people that are more similar to NFL players, and he did okay. So I like him, but with him like running like that and lowering his shoulder, it's definitely concerning because it's not going to translate to the NFL game. So he has to rely on his passing game. And I'll, the last thing I'll say is watching his film, maybe I'm wrong, it reminded me a lot of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, good, good short accuracy, not afraid to really launch it. Very tough player but kind of relying on his toughness to make him um what's the word i'm thinking of just um not important but just relevant yeah relevant yeah just to make him relevant he's relying on his toughness to be relevant not his actual skills and and that's fair it's even that's, the funny thing is that that comparison i actually had for sam howell who i have rated in my top five and not matt corral um and honestly, all the points you guys made about Matt Crowell are legit. I love his fight. And I love his grit. I love that he stands in there and will hold the ball to the last second, and get pummeled before you know, right before for releasing it, or right after releasing it. But my, I couldn't rank him in my top five because his arm is not great. Um, it's by far the weakest in like the out of all the guys we're talking about. He can't even make all the proper NFL throws. One of the main staples and. The, every NFL offense is that deep out route, that 15 yard out route. If you're on the, f- which they throw from either hash, if you're on the far hash, that out route is a 
35 to 40 yard pass in the air that you have to put on an absolute rope to get there without getting picked off. He can't make that throw. And when he does, it's either behind and it's getting picked or it's sailing because he doesn't have the strength to do it. So he's putting his entire body into it. And that's why I can't rank him in the top five. He can't make every NFL throw. That's a great point. Yep, yeah, that is. Um, well, poor Matt, you know. Who else do you guys want to talk about? So the only guy I had on here that you guys didn't have ranked was Sam Howell. And essentially, that's funny because, like, like I said, Sam Howell actually is, a to me, a comparison to Baker Mayfield in terms of the way they, they both play the game and the way like they're built. Um, you know, little shorter, six one, stockier, he's at two twenty, so he's actually the same like weight as all these other guys we're basically talking about, or a little heavier, but he's just a few inches shorter. He's stocky. Um, but I like the way I like the way he plays the game too. Um the biggest concern with him is that his production fell off a cliff from um his junior to senior year. But it's pretty easy to say that you can base that off of excuse me, um he lost every skill player in this offense. Like, Dynami Brown went to the NFL. Javante Williams went to the NFL. All his best players went to the NFL. Michael and then, Carter. Yeah, Michael Carter did too. So, like, you have all these guys that, like, are NFL players that all just left him. And he was there by himself. But he did everything he could to make up for it. Because uh, he rushed for 828 yards and 11 touchdowns last year alone. The He was a two, two-year starter before that. He rushed for, like, a total of, like, 200 yards a couple years before that because he didn't need to. So, but it shows that he's he's a gamer, you know. He he wants to be out there and play. He'll do whatever he needs to do to win. If that means running the ball, which we never saw until his senior year, that's great. And I like that. I like that means he's he's adapting his game to try to win ball games. And in North Carolina, that's what he did. He won a lot of games. Mac Brown came in there and like coached him up, and he became a good a good player. So, I think he's a strong Baker Mayfield comparison. Um, and Baker, we know, isn't great, but Baker has won some games in Cleveland. And he played, and like, especially look at him last year. He had the torn labrum. I mean, he the dude was getting his ass kicked week in and week out, but he was out there putting his his ass on the line for his team, for his teammates. And you got to commend him for that. Like, whatever you want to think about what Baker Mayfield is as a quarterback, you have to commend him for that. And I think Sam Howell does the same thing. And those are good points. I, I was really close to putting uh, swapping Sam Howell in North Carolina with Matt Corral from Ole Miss. And he, he just barely missed the list for me. But when, when I was watching his film, it, it really seemed like any time he was throwing any kind of down-the-field pass that his receivers had to adjust for it mid-air and slow down. And once I started keying in on that, I couldn't help. Every single play, I'm looking at it, and he's rarely hitting his receivers in stride when he's throwing the deep ball. And that was the biggest thing that was throwing me off with him. Like, Do you think Sam Howell is capable of making that out route throw that Matt Corral isn't. Yeah, he played a pro style offense and he did make it. I I don't know. Honestly, I think he has I think we might have looked at different days because I think Matt Howell actually has the best touch on his deep ball out of his whole whole group. Um I mean it's very it's very Russell Wilson like in terms of like the way he like puts a ton of air underneath it so his guys can't adjust. Like you see too many like you see a lot of quarterbacks who just like throw it as far as they can so they're overthrowing their receiver or the angle is so sharp coming into them that the db can make a play on it you know if it comes in if it comes if it's come the ball's coming at a shallow angle then they hey it's easy to put their hand up if it's like a moon ball like like what russell does the receiver can adjust to it and let it like fall into their basket where you can't do the more of a line drive throw and then i think that's what actually sam howell does 
well. So maybe some of it flutters a little bit because he puts a lot of air underneath it, but that's what allows his receivers to come down with the ball. Well, to counter that, I feel like the way his balls are fluttering and the amount of separation that his receivers have, like once you get to the NFL, getting that amount of separation is not going to be very common. And with the balls floating like that, that DB is going to get their hands on it. That's what I kept thinking every time I was watching his, his throws. But maybe I was just keying in on him way too hard at that point watching his film. But it, that's the biggest thing to me. Like, yeah, he's floating the balls. The guy's going to adjust midair. But they have so much separation at that point. I, I don't think he'll have that amount of separation with his receivers in the NFL just because of the high-level competition. So, like, that little bit of float might be what screws him. That's why I didn't even rank him. That could be, but I mean, again, I think, you know, if you're asking him to throw the ball deep or to the sideline, he has a better chance of getting the ball there than Matt Corral does, and that's that's where my difference was. Okay, Corral. <laughs> <laughs> that was a all right, one. all right, all right. Uh, Todd, do you want to talk about your honorable mention <laughs> here? Yeah, I threw one little honorable mention in here, um, only because, like, I think he has the potential to end up being a guy that comes out of nowhere and makes a name for himself in the NFL. Um, there's a strong chance he's a super late draft pick or an undrafted free agent, but I had to bring him up because like, if you ever watch this dude play, it's like, it's special to watch. So I want to bring up Eric Barrier, Barrier from Eastern Washington. Oh, uh, the red turf, baby. Yeah. Here we so, go. And honestly, you could call me a homer. Right? We live 20 minutes from, from Genie. So if you wanted to call me a homer, then fine, whatever. The kid put up over 5,000 yards and 46 touchdowns last year alone. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> um, he's six foot one, 210. He won the Walter Payton Award last year, which is the Heisman Trophy Award of the FCS. So he was the best player in his division. Like, that's saying something itself. But if you watch him play, this dude runs like Lamar Jackson does. He's not quite hit Lamar Jackson's size, but his start-stop quickness is insane. He makes people look silly. On top of that, he also can throw the ball 60 yards down down the field with ease. Like, he's just somebody who makes plays. Um, he's a little slight. It's a little, un, un, you know, a little concerning. Honestly, my my high-end pro comp I put in it was, R, was RG3. Like, the type of guy who can come in and just be dynamic as hell. But because he's a little slight, it's a little worrisome that he's going to hold up in the NFL as RG3, you know. Right. Had those Did. issues. He had sure. those issues. So, <laughs> you mean the issues of his team sending him out with a broken ass knee just to end his career? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he was already playing on like a torn MCL, then went to the worst field in the entire NFL. I just say that so people don't forget how good RG three was and how it that was. team absolutely yep. ruined his career. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're still waiting on RG three to come out with his memoir that's supposed to come out like this later this year, and apparently it is. Scathing against the uh, former Redskins. Ooh, buddy, That's makes sense. Those guys can't do shit right. No, yep. they cannot. So it's gonna be interesting to see. It, I'm, I'm sure some stuff's gonna come out out that like only confirms what we already know. Uh, maybe a few specific stories that are crazy, but either way, I think honestly, the type of that that play style is very, very similar to what Eric Barrier can do. Um, so I'm not saying he's gonna be a star. Like, can like don't do that to me. Um, I just think he has that kind of ability. He's somebody who's very, very exciting, and I think if he got the right opportunity, he could turn some, he could turn some heads. You're not gonna say the low end comp? Come on! Oh, dude. I, man, I was trying to be nice to you. Okay, what do you mean be nice? That's low end. Yeah, yeah. 
Dude, low end. Yeah, of course, that's low end. Boy, that dude was a bust. Uh, okay, so, so low end. Comp- uh, I mean, low end. Comparison. Was he Jamarcus Russell bust? No, but pretty damn close. Okay, Terrell Pryor actually yeah. made me happy at one point in time. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell never that's did. That's all you're asking. So, as a Raiders fan, <laughs> happy for yeah, one day. You were gonna bring please. it up. So apparently, <laughs> Eric Berrier, low end comparison, Terrell yeah. Pryor. He, and you wrote it. Why would you not say? Well, it? I'm. I put up a lot of low end comparisons on my guys. I didn't say a single one of them. Well, Terrell Pryor, come on, dog. Yeah, if you're the a only, Raiders fan, the, you love him. The, the only thing, the only Terrell, the, the low end comparison is hard because Terrell Pryor is a bigger guy than than RG three or RPA. I mean, Terrell Pryor was like six four, like two thirty. Yeah, the He's dude a ran a ninety six yard quarterback scramble for the Raiders, and then two years later, put up a fucking fourteen hundred yard receiving season for the Browns. He's a freak athlete. Shout out to Terrell yeah. Pryor, dude. Hopefully, Eric Berrier can even scrape what Terrell Pryor did. <laughs> okay <laughs> simmer down over there <laughs> put some respect on his name uh basically what i'm saying is that his low end comparison is trail prior because trail prior played quarterback for like one season that he was drafted as he was a bust as a quarterback right? yeah that's kind if of he would have been drafted today it would have been a different story but that's a different well actually probably wouldn't be <laughs> remember he had to remember he got drafted in the supplemental draft he wasn't even allowed in the main draft so that says a lot, too. I don't care, dude. He has a scrambling <laughs> ability. He had the arm. I think what's uh, you know nice about Eric Barrier is that um, when you're you know evaluating a guy that played in the FCS, you want to make you want to see that he dominated his competition, right? Like, because if you're not dominating at this level, you're not going to do shit in the NFL. Like. There's no question about it, um, and he absolutely dominated. You know, he yeah. was he was an absolute game changer, dominated on the field, and just gotta say, you know, there's a guy that came out of Eastern Washington that also dominated on the field. Maybe took a couple years. Also a Walter Payton Award winner. Also a Walter Payton Award winner. Cooper Cup. So you know, that's just yeah. you know who else also won the Walter Payton Award. Who? Walter Payne. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I was going to say that. He had a and on, I was going to cut you off and bring up um, Cooper Cup, Cooper. but I'm glad that you brought that full circle. Actually, if you actually want to be real bad, the guy, one guy that did win the you know Heisman of the FCS was also Jerry Rice. Wow. At Mississippi Valley State. So, like, there's plenty of guys that have done great things in the FCS just because it's a lower-level competition. doesn't mean they can't be great in the NFL. So, like, right. they, there's certainly guys that have you know, broken that mold. Someone will give him a shot, you know, somewhere, and could be really late in the draft, could be an undrafted free agent, could be a practice squad guy starting out, who knows, but... Maybe Chicago will make him an Eric Bear year. (laughs) 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 All right, that'll wrap this show I had to try. I had to try. (laughs) That might have been your worst pun of the night, but I appreciate the effort. Yeah, Yeah, well, I don't care, Eric Barrier, all right? (laughs) (laughs) That was Okay, okay, okay. Let's wrap it up. That'll do it for our quarterback show. Again, we will be touching on these guys. (laughs) Well, covering these guys' ability. (laughs) It came out weird. Um, Once they're actually drafted and once the draft happens, we will go back and kind of look at fantasy outlook as a whole moving forward. And we will also be uh, covering the other positions, other rookies. What are we doing next week? Next week, what's that? I think them. Oh, we're doing receivers. I thought running backs. Whatever you guys want. Oh, okay. We'll we'll talk about it. It's coming.
it'll either be running backs or receivers next week. So the keep suspense an eye out for is that. killing me. And our and our viewers. I vote running back. Yeah, we're gonna keep it a mystery. And you'll just have to follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers to find out. Or just listen to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling nice, go ahead and hit a sub or a like. We appreciate that tremendously. We appreciate you all listening. Um, and we will catch you all next week. And Later. if you're listening on Spotify, give us a rate. Rate us. Our Spotify listens have been increasing. If you give us a little five-star, definitely helps us out. Yes. And if you don't want to do a five-star, then don't even just fucking forget about us. Yeah, just don't even do it. Okay. Don't kick us while we're down yet. I'll take a four. Fives are are nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess four is enough. Four is enough. If you don't like it, then don't fucking rate it. Wait until we're on top of the world, and then you can do it. Yeah. All right, we appreciate all you. We'll be talking to you later. Goodbye.